Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football. And follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows, and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and before we begin, just a personal note, I want to thank everyone that sent out well wishes during my illness. I had a TIA, a minor stroke that impacted my division in my right eye. I am pretty much back to normal, I think. Who knows? I am feeling better, though. And so thank you to everyone who's reached out, and a special thanks to this gentleman here, Greg Gabriel, who almost every day sent me a message and said, hurry up and get back. I want to talk football. <laughs> no, that's not what no, he said. No, I said, how are you feeling? <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. And I appreciate all those comments and all the good wishes uh, from you and everyone else. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. good. I'm good. You look great. You've been out uh, working out? Yeah, I, I've worked out uh, eight of the last nine days, I think, I've lifted. Mm-hmm. which wow. is, you know, pretty good because, you know, I, I'm feeling better from that surgery I had. So now I can do more. Mm-hmm. So and I've gained back 13 of the 16 I lost. Oh, that's but, fantastic, man. So but I was when I went in, I was too light. I, I, I got to gain back probably another 10. Mm. We're getting some nice comments here in the chat room. Randy says, you guys always have a good chat. You guys play off each other, and it becomes very informative. He's the one that has the information. I'm the one, I hope, that offers good questions and and selects the questions in the chat room. So we got to say one thing, though. You said at the beginning, you know, you're feeling back to normal. But let's let's clarify this. You're never fucking normal. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm a liberal. Don't spit out your water. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I, I, I think you call yourself one, but a lot of your thought process is a lot more to the right than you think it is. Well, I think I mentioned to you that someone once told me that when you're young, you're a liberal, and the older you get, you become more and more conservative. <laughs> That's right. Um, Actually, know, like- Winston Churchill had a saying about that you know basically and i don't remember the exact words when i'm paraphrasing Uh but along the lines of um if you're not a liberal in your 20s there's you know there's something wrong with you but if you're not a conservative in your 30s you're an idiot Uh, you know (laughs) i love it (laughs) i don't remember the exact words but uh I Somewhere I, along that lines. I think I saw it, and that sounds pretty uh, pretty close. Thank you, John, and everyone else in the chat room for your well wishes. Uh, let's get started and talk about football. We haven't been on in about three or four weeks, so we've got a lot no, to catch up. I don't up. know if it's been that long, has it? I think it's been think at least three weeks. got your brain. I think it's only been like <laughs> three at the most. Well, you know what's funny, Greg, when you have a, a TIA, you know, now, like, when, if I forget something, I, I'm thinking, if I have, am I having another one? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm li- living in that constant panic. Uh, but then I remember, 
I, I've been a goofball my entire life. I, I've been doctor uh, absent-minded, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it. Oh, we all Most, are. And then as we get older, you get more. Exactly. More so, so hey, exactly. you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Ollie Walter Jordan suggested I go vegan. It will cure you. Uh, he went oh, uh, nine months once. <laughs> Greg, you're a big meteor. I couldn't, right? I couldn't go vegan for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could do it. And my uh, wife loves, you know, steak and, and all, all the great meats and stuff. So I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll definitely. And I like to smoke stuff, you know, like oh yes. ribs and, and brisket and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and this is and this is that time of the year where you got the grill going and, uh, you know, you're putting all those spices on that red meat. I love it, man. Um, all right, let's talk football. Uh, the schedule came out, and every year I do my fancy little schedule uh, uh, graphic, and I, I'm really patting myself on the back because I just think I did a great job this year. Look at how colorful oh. this thing is. <laughs> uh, Greg, uh, what strikes you immediately when you see this schedule? When it was released, what came to mind immediately? What were your first thoughts? Well, I'm going, to t I'm going to give you a little different answer okay. or react a little differently than most people do. I care about one thing, the first then, four games. Oh, okay. Because that sets the tone of the season. Mm. And you know as well as I do. In this game, obviously, you got to have good players, but luck plays into it too. And momentum plays into it. So if you get off to a fast start, chances are – that's going to carry over. And you can go back to uh, Matt Nagy's first year. They got off to a quick start. That wasn't a real strong roster. Oh, they were, what, a, a missed field goal away from getting to the NFC Championship game? Right. You know, so it's, to me, I look at, you know, Green Bay at home. Not a doubt in my mind, that's a win. I think Tampa Bay at, at Tampa, the only thing that worries me is if it's 100 degrees down there and, and that can be problematic uh, that early in twelfth, really mid-September. So we should be okay. I wish it was a late afternoon game instead of a, uh, a 12 kickoff central time. Uh, but, you know, who knows what that team's going to be like. They've lost players. They're going to have a new quarterback. Uh, so I, I think that's winnable. The only game that I don't think is winnable in the in the first four is Kansas City on the road. And, you know, they they get back from Kansas City and they played Denver. And you know, Denver just was terrible last year. What, who says they're going to turn it all around just because Sean Payton's the coach? Right. You know, that, you know, that doesn't mean anything to me. And I know Sean. He's a, he's a good friend. We worked together for four or five years in New York. Uh so I, I, you know, I think those four games, three of those four games are winnable. And then after that, if you stay relatively healthy, then things are good. I think, you know, Washington, week five, that's a winnable game. And then you're playing Minnesota here. You know, I, 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 number one, I think this team, I've, I've written a couple articles about what the roster is going to look like this year and then can we expect much more from the offense this year and i think that this team is very undervalued nationally 
as compared to what it really is. And I'm not being a homer here. I'm just being realistic. When you look at the players that they got on this team, mm -hmm. damn good players. Now, obviously, they got to come together. They got to gel. But it's the second year within the system. You know, last year, it was basically a rookie do-over for uh, Justin Fields because it was a brand-new offense for him. Right. And it was new to everybody else. There was two players, and the one guy played one quarter of one game. You know, Lucas Patrick and, and – Equinemius St. Brown were the only guys that knew the offense. Everybody else it was new to. So I think because of that, uh, you've got a full off season to get the new guys acclimated. And then the carryover guy from last year, I think the offense is going to be dramatically better than it was a year ago. Notorious uh, says that one of the things that's been overlooked is that, that the schedule doesn't show is that the Bears have the most rest time than any other team in the entire league. If that is in, in, indeed a fact, and I, I'm not doubting you at all, Notorious. Uh, but Somebody uh, wrote that. Somebody wrote that. And, and, but they still got to play two Thursday night games, and those are tough. Those are tough. So, yeah, you got rest in between the Thursday night and the following week game. Mm -hmm. But but those Thursday night games, and I think one's on the road. That, that, you know, that's that's a bitch. When when you, I, I personally, I do away with Thursday night games. Hate them. Yes, absolutely and, hate them. And I don't think the players' union likes them likes them much because there has been some uh, data that says there's a lot of injuries that occur on those short rest weeks. Uh, but they're here to stay. And there's actually a Friday night game uh, this year, too, during the Thanksgiving weekend. Right, like Black Friday. And that's going to be that's going to become a tradition. Yeah. You ever you ever envision a time in the NFL where they might um, add a bye week to help players regenerate with all the games that they're adding and the short uh, playing time? Um. It, it's a good idea. I don't see it happening because then you'd be pushing the Super Bowl back another week and, you know, you'd be into the middle of February. Yep. Or, or you're starting a week earlier, uh, which might be a late August start, and I don't think anyone, anybody – Well, they, they always start the weekend following Labor Day. Mm -hmm. Colleges traditionally start – I'd love it if the NFL started Labor Day. That, that – solve some issues right off the bat, but yeah. the colleges traditionally open up Labor Day weekend and the NFL a week later. Yeah. I just think that extra week of really good weather mm -hmm. is a bonus mm. or potentially uh, really good weather. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, anything else about this schedule that really shoots out at you? Uh, to me, one of the things that I wanted to to comment on is the level of competition, it seems that as the year goes on, it becomes less, uh, at least on paper, uh, that we're facing opponents that uh, probably are not as good as the uh, Chiefs. And who knows? I, I don't know what to think about the Packers. No, that, and, and that could be true, but you know as well as I do, every team changes from year to year. Absolutely. I mean, there's a minimum 25% turnover with every team. And – you, you just got to get lucky. A, a team that sucked last year and you're putting down, you know, today you're putting them down as a W. They, they, they could be an undefeated team or a one-loss team when you play them. You mm -hmm. know, so it, that's just the way it works. The only difficult part I see in the schedule, and, and I, you know, 
the coaches break it down into quarters. I do too. Now you got four quarters plus a bonus because you have the 17th game. But the third quarter, three of those four games are on the road. So you mm-hmm. start that off, you're at the Saints, then you're home against Carolina, then you're at Detroit and at Minnesota. So you got uh, – but you come back then that final quarter, <laughs> you got three of them at home. So it, it, it does even out, but it, it'd be nice if it was, you know, two home and two away of every four-game uh, period. Mm. What what do you make of the Packers this season? Do you anticipate that they are going to, you know, they 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 have a strong roster. They've got some talent on that roster. They haven't drafted terribly, as some people think. Uh, I think they've got some uh, some some good players in some positions. But do you suspect, like I do, that Jordan Love is going to get off to at least a slow start and maybe never prove himself as a viable starter? Well. I don't think he's going to be a difference maker like Aaron Rodgers was. Right, right. Okay, you know, let's go back a few years ago, and it might have been um, it, it, that 2018 season or 17 season, whatever, with Nagy's first year. And uh, we got up, what, 21 to 7 or 21 to 6 or something like that at halftime. And you think, okay, this is going to be a win. And, and Rodgers hurt his knee. And then he comes back, you know, he. he goes to the spiritual waters, throws some holy water on that knee, and he comes back and he plays the second half and brings them back. So they're not going to have that. You know, they're, they've been blessed. They've had two mm-hmm. Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row, 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play. And, and that in itself is, is incredible because, the you know, the Bears have had inconsistent quarterback play. They get a year here and a year there, but basically for 100 years. You know, so – <laughs> uh, you know, I think the magic's over in Green Bay, but and and in all honesty, I think Detroit's a fraud too. You know? Oh, I don't uh, love you know, Detroit's, Detroit's Detroit. You know, yeah, they're going to be tougher. They're going to be physical, but shit, everybody stunk last year. That's why they yeah. lost the games. Well, my my concern with the Lions is uh, I I don't I don't like the coaching staff, but my concern is they have drafted well the last two three seasons and they've got some talent there. So we'll see how far that talent takes. I them. wasn't real impressed with their draft this year. They take Gibbs first. I thought not that he's not going to be a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. He will be. Uh, I don't know if he can be a. 20 to 25 touch a game. And that includes receptions mm-hmm. uh, guy. He's not very big. He's only like, you know, 195, 198 pounds, but, and Campbell, Campbell's a good player. I think he's first rounder. You know, I thought he was a, a second rounder at best. Uh, yeah. I was shocked to see him go that early Shocked. Both of those players went earlier than normal, but I am a big fan of Gibbs and I think that we may see a resurrection of the run game in the National Football League just because so many defenses are now beginning to focus on stopping the pass first. You know, for, for decades we heard, you know, uh, stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. Now it's stop the pass. Uh, yeah. So, but I, I got a feeling that uh, Gibbs is going to be a, a really good one. Let me uh, change the shot here because nobody wants to see my ugly face. Oh, where would you go? There, there, it is. Is. there you go. All right. Uh, so the, anything else, again, about the schedule that uh, appears to you? The, the, those last 
five games. I re- oh, by the way, I was going to say, I remember when Lovey would say, uh, we divide the season into – Into quarters. Into quarters, right? Yeah, that, and that's what I, I was doing too. Okay. And I said, like, in the third quarter, they're on the road three out of, uh, out of four games. Mm. Uh, and that's the, the most difficult part as far as having to travel. Right. But uh, they're two and two in the first quarter, two and two in the second quarter, one and three in the third quarter, and then three and one in the fourth quarter. And then you got the last game at Green Bay, the 17th game. Um, yeah. My thinking right now, depending on what, you know, if they get lucky and they gel real good, I think they're nine right now. Nine and, uh, what, nine and eight coming out of the box, and that's a great improvement. Um, but it, it could be better. It could be like Nagy's year. I, I put it this way. They're a lot better than the idiots in the national media are giving them. And, and there's a reason for that. Number one, these people don't study individual teams. They don't have time to study them. They look at the names and they go, oh, well, he's not that good. Oh, he's good. Oh, he's not that good. They don't know. In fact, you know, the average pro department for an NFL team has like four guys doing the whole league. So it's like eight teams a guy. And each guy knows eight teams really well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and now you're going to have some writer who doesn't know jack shit about anything. He's going to tell you this team's going to be good or this team's going to be bad. Give me a yeah. break. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not going to happen. And then, you know, the, the, the stuff about fields, it's, it's ridiculous. They, they, again, they don't look at the situation last year. The, you know, how things came about, then you get – you know, you had constant turmoil along the offensive line. You had guys playing that weren't even fits. You know, all that in, in year two has changed. You know, I wrote it last week. I think this offensive line is going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the center is going to be. It's going to be White Hair Patrick, whoever wins the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but then along, I, I expect Braxton Jones to take the typical – second year jump and he was pretty darn good as a rookie yeah he he gave up some stuff because he got bull rushed but his overall play especially considering where he came from a low level fcs school that was outstanding didn't miss one snap all year um tevin jenkins one of the best guards in football last year and is healthy to me it's you know going left to right right to left at guard is not as difficult as for a tackle mm-hmm. going from side to side because the tackle's got to set wide and, and, and take on the speed rushers. It's a lot easier for an inside guy, and he has played on the left side. He's got like 11 or 12 games on the left side in college on, you know, under his belt, so it's not like it's foreign to him. Um, they got the guy from Tennessee at right guard who is a – high-level player, and we all think Wright's going to be pretty good. He's going to go through some growing pains like everybody else. But I'll tell you what, I was too difficult on him, you know, because I watched even more tape. Damn, that guy is really good, really good. I'm glad to hear that. He um, uh, he, He's a lot to go in, into that right tackle position and stay there, right, uh, for this season? Yeah, I, I'm not sure – 
Larry Boren makes the team. Now, he may because he can play a little bit inside. And the reason I say that is not that he doesn't have talent. I don't think he's a, he's a real schematic fit. He was like, we got to have him right now, you know, last year. Right. Okay, well, you know, now it's a little different story. Now, because of experience, he may still stick around for a year. But I think, uh, what's the guy's name uh, from Pitt, the free agent, Huey? Yeah. He's a stud. And, yeah. and if it wasn't for injuries, and he missed like half the season last year, that guy would have been a draft choice. Hmm. And he's athletic enough to play on the left side, but he's been strictly on, on the, the uh, right side. He's a damn good player, and he's got capability of playing inside. Now, the only problem you may have right now, and which may keep uh, Borum around, is that Borum can play on the left side. He can play on the right side. Going into his third year, there's some reliability there, even though he's not a, a, a perfect fit schematically. You know, he's not the most athletic guy. Um, but aside from that, I, I, I think there's some quality there. And the wide receiver core, shit, they are the fastest wide receiver core in the league. Mm-hmm. People say, well, Miami's faster. Miami's got one guy faster. <laughs> Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. Okay, but top to bottom, you got your, your, your top six receivers are all sub four five. Mm. Who's got that in the league? Nobody. Jeez. You know, you, 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 you're, you go across the front. Chase, three wide receivers. Chase Claypool is 4-4-2. DJ Moore is 4-4-2. And Mooney's a 4-3-7. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty fast. That's incredible. That's incredible. Let me get back to the offensive line just for one moment here and ask you about the depth of the team. That's to me what I find more exciting than uh, than most things about this team is that it appears for the first time in several years this offensive line has really solid depth or at least to promise of being a really solid deep team at the offensive line. Am I wrong to think that? I think it's more the promise. Because you still got some un- unanswered questions. Yeah, you've got th- the loser of the, the white hair Patrick battle is going to be a backup this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably be his last year here, whoever the, the loser is. The, um, you know, you don't know exactly what uh, J. Tyree Carter is. Mm-hmm. I, I've got high hopes for him. I think it wouldn't shock me if they try him at center some at camp just to get him the, the reps. Uh, and then, you know, who the hell knows what Leatherwood is? Yeah, right. You know, I don't even think about him anymore. But, but when he played, he was horrendous. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he was a first-round pick, and it was only a few years ago. But the fact is, he was terrible with the Raiders. And when he got to play here, he was terrible. Well, he's, he's, he's gone through his growing pains to, to learn the offense and, and to uh, basically get broken down. And part of that is continuing now during the offseason. Um, we'll have to see at camp if, if he 
becomes now he's a guy that could play, you know, he was a left tackle in college and a pretty damn good one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he theoretically could be your, your, your backup left tackle. Um, it's just, you know, is it up here? I think physically he's got it. I think it's more in his head. He just doesn't have any confidence. And now whether he can regain it, that remains to be seen. Mm. Um, comment here from, uh, oh, darn it. Let's see. I think I lost it. Um, Michael says, Alex Ledwood didn't look good, but it was a few snaps against the Eagles, so he was in a rough spot. Well, And, Greg, you said last year I wouldn't play him. I would not play him and just let him learn the offense. Yeah, they had to. They had no choice. Right. So there is a chance that he could potentially become a serviceable offensive lineman with an entire offseason under his belt. But did you see enough from a technique standpoint to sound off an alarm and, and, and put him into that um, concern column? Well, he didn't block wide speed well. And he didn't do it with the Raiders either. And that was always playing on the right side. I go back, you know, when he was at Alabama on the left side, granted it's, it's college, but he had no problem with that. Right. You know, so to me, it's, it's a confidence thing. It's not physical. Mm -hmm. And so it's now, now he's got to work with the coach. Coach got to believe in him too. I mean, it's not, he's got to believe in himself, but the coach got to believe in him too, because no coach is going to put anybody in there if they don't think they can play. Okay. Um, back to the wide receivers. Uh, Broski Bear says uh, Darnell Mooney has screws in his foot as a result of the operation. I'm not expecting anything from him anymore, but let me, let me just say this. I saw in Brad Biggs' Q&A column, he didn't confirm that there were screws he 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 was asked that question and but the, nobody from the bears has said that he has any screws that i've heard of have you heard anything about uh, that I, you know he, he may or may may not i mean there, there's some surgeries that you do that with it's and that's not a big deal right you know i, I got screws in my body shit <laughs> I got a couple too. That's uh, <laughs> screwing my brain too. Is, is, is no, that why that, some that, people think you're a screwball? I'll tell you what. Now he was Mooney was on a podcast with the St. Brown brothers. Yeah. Last week. Okay. And uh, number one, he's a ball buster, first class. Um, I love it. Yeah, but I mean, like he's he's raring to go now. I, I, you know, all the stuff that happens during the off season, everybody talks big. You take it with a grain of salt. You got to prove it starting in, you know, two more months when, when camp opens up. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, OTA start tomorrow. We'll see if he's clear to go full go and OTAs tomorrow. And, th- and that'll be your answer right away. Or do they want to still bring them along a little bit slower, which is fine if they do. But I mean, my God, when did he have surgery? November. Correct. Okay, that's like five, seven months ago, six and a half months ago. Yeah. Well, he's an important part of this offense and the trust that Justin Fields has in Mooney. It would be great to see him uh, in that starting lineup. You know, do you anticipate if if all things are equal and he's healthy, do you anticipate him getting the majority of snaps from that slot position? Yeah, but I think they've got the capability because Moore's played in the slot too. Claypool's mm-hmm. going to be the X. 
Mm-hmm. That's because they want in, in that offense, they prefer to have a big guy. So he fits that role. Mm-hmm. And St. Brown mm-hmm. backs him up. But I think you can interchange um, DJ Moore and Mooney between the Z receiver and the slot receiver. And some of it can be just for matchups. You know, you want to, if the opponent's got a weak guy in the slot, you may put who you believe to be your best receiver out of the two uh, on that player. Um, You know, given Mooney's lack of of size, but, you know, he, he played, what, last year was his third year, and he never got hurt in his first two years, and it was, what, 10 games in or 11 games in, his third year before he ever got hurt. He never mm-hmm. got hurt in college. I mean, the guy's been pretty durable. And then he, he sprained his ankle. He got rolled up on. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's kind of wiry. Uh, and I don't, I, you know, I don't believe he's going to lose any speed. Maybe, maybe he loses a, maybe he's a four, four Oh now instead of a four, three, seven. So, you know, he, he's a good player. What would, what, you go back and, and, and look at highlights of Darnell Mooney. He has got a catch radius that is second to none. <clears throat> yes. You know, he's, he's really impressive with that. I, I, I think of all the guys they got on this team right now, he probably has the largest catch radius, including DJ Moore. And DJ Moore's got a pretty good one. But just that, that Mooney balls anywhere, he's going to get it. His upper body flexibility is unbelievable. What do you? Uh, how do you respond to people who say DJ Moore is not a number one wide receiver? They don't know who the player is. Okay, it's real simple. You know, I'll, here, I'll, get, I'll give you some examples because some people say, "Well, he's," he, you know, people say, you know, it's a similar situation to Diggs. Well, it's not similar; it's almost identical. Mm-hmm. Here's here's some stats. Okay, okay. DJ Moore. Carolina's first five years. Now, he only had a, a, a reliable quarterback first season and a half. He had Cam Newton, and it was really the back half of Cam Newton's back at the, the final quarter of Cam Newton's career. He still caught in five seasons, 364 passes, 5,200 yards, and 21 touchdowns. <laughs> in Stephon Diggs' first three years or five years in the league at Minnesota, and he had more reliability at quarterback than um, D.J. Moore had at, at mm-hmm. Carolina. 365 catches for 46-23. So one more catch, 600 less yards, but he had more touchdowns. He had 30 touchdowns. But the, they're damn close. And so what people are trying to say, or, or what they're doing, and they're not looking back to compare apples to apples, is that, Stefan Diggs didn't have these consistent 110 uh, catch seasons until he got to Buffalo, not right. before he got there. Mm. Okay. And this guy's been the, the top receiver in Carolina, really on a lousy team the last three years. So why you, you tell me why he isn't, mm-hmm. you no, know, a Rob, a Rob, um, he's got better numbers than A-Rob had, and A-Rob mm-hmm. was considered a number one. It, you know, it, it goes back to what I said a little while ago. 
people don't know the players they're talking about. They just pull stuff out of their rear end and say it because it's a narrative that they want to create. Mm-hmm. And it's not a narrative ba- based on fact. It's a narrative based on whatever their narrative, they want their narrative to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when when I'm putting together this highlight reel, I was just so amazed. This is a great catch against Jalen Johnson of the Chicago Bears. But what he does after he catches the ball, the yak, the yards after uh, catch. uh, He's like a running back. Yeah, he really is. And there is this one play here. I'll I'll show it again. It's coming up after he gets into the end zone here. Here's a great example of him feeling the zone and getting into the open spot and then using his hands to bring it into his body. Uh, But this next play here. Uh, it's a running play, and this is exciting too. I mean, he it was a bad snap by Cam Newton. I mean, I mean a bad uh, uh, lateral by Newton, but he he can run after touching the ball. And oh, here's yeah. another one against the Lions, against Don Burr's Lions. He's just a, a really outstanding player. Um, I didn't get a chance to study all of the stats, but I noticed that. Almost every year, with the exception of last year, in terms of receptions and yards, he was among the top 15 uh, players. And so that, to me, is a number one wide receiver. There's only 30 uh, number or so number one wide receivers in the National Football League. So if you want to use that well, but, but I, 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 I use a better term okay. in that there is only, there's 32 teams in the league, but there's not 32 number ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, last year the Bears didn't have a true number one. You know, there's, uh, but Good I point. think he's, I, I think he's a legitimate number one receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the chemistry between Fields and Moore? Do you uh, anticipate that it could take a while to develop, or what may give you some hope that they can get going pretty quickly with chemistry? Well. They were doing some work before the off-season program even started. Now, the off-season program started a week and a half before the draft. I think it was like the 17th of, of April it started. So they're like five weeks in right now. They've got roughly four more weeks and three and a half weeks. And you know damn well they're going to – they'll probably take a – a week off and then these guys are going to assemble and, and, and work together for probably a week to 10 days, you know, before they come into camp. It's not like, you know, you get done with OTAs and then you go on vacation and you, you don't work out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the, it used to be, you know, year, years ago. I mean, before I even got the league, that was the, the whole reason behind double sessions is because first of all, guys weren't making that much money and, and, as, as professional football players. So they had real jobs during the off season and they needed to get, they needed double sessions to get in shape. There's no, that that's the only purpose that it became a tradition. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else other than that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, OTAs, I begin, uh, I think they start today, right? Tomorrow. Player, tomorrow. But players are reporting today, aren't they? Well, no, they, the, well, the it they're voluntary so the 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 veterans have have been there most of them anyway they don't they have never given out a figure as to who's here and who isn't here 
but they could come in the 17th of April. The rookies have been here since May 15th. Okay. So they had the draft. Then they that next weekend, they had the rookie mini camp. They were home for a week, and then they were back, actually, you know, traveled on Sunday, got in town Sunday, and then, you know, on, on May 15th, they which was last week, they uh, started as part of the off-season program. And that's league-wide, you mm-hmm. know, on the 15th. That's a set date by the league. So it, it's um, – I think there's three full weeks of OTAs, three a week. And then um, you got the last week, you got uh, the, the uh, mini camp. And anybody who was not at the OTAs has to be at the mini camp or they get fined. It's, it's, that's not voluntary. It's rule. Okay. Um, Mandatory. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> so, so, us fans, uh, share with us what we fans should be looking for in these OTAs. When we're getting reports from the media that's allowed to take a look at them and we're hearing the coaches and, and players talk, should be there be anything specific? What exactly is the goal of these first OTAs? Is it you know to get players acclimated with the playbook? Well, no, actually, they've been doing that since – the first two weeks of the off-season program, so it's phase one. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's they can meet, but there's no real. Pep, uh, Pep Hamilton, when I was working with Pep, he used to call it, um, class class on grass. You know, so you you know you weren't going outside working on stuff. You know, it was strictly conditioning. Then since then. You still got your conditioning, weightlifting, everything else, but you've got you're going outside for hour and fifteen minutes, hour and a half, and it's individual and team, but it's one side of you can't have offenses against defense. It's strictly offense on one side of the field, defense on the other side of the field. They can't go against each other. Okay. Okay. So they've been working on this for a month, mm-hmm. and and the rookies for a week. Uh, some guy's walking by my house and my dog's giving him hell if you can hear him. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so now at OTAs and in mini camp, now you can have offense against defense. Okay. So you can have one on ones in the pass game, you can have uh, seven on seven, mm-hmm. those types of things. You still can't have contact. Mm-hmm. And the league really, mon- and they've gotten stronger at it or more studious in the last few years because you know you've got to send the tape of your, of your practices to the league and if they see contact you know they could penalize you a day or two of OTAs they can even take away if, if it's too flagrant they could take a draft choice away mm-hmm. so I, I remember when Lovey was here this is before the league was clapping down mm-hmm our DBs got a little physical with the with the wide receivers now. Theoretically, you can't even play press coverage in this. So you gotta do you can do man, but you can't jam the guy. Okay. Okay, but now it's football. The 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 DBs do touch the wide receivers a little, but it better not be more than just 
you know, like a one hand little shove type thing, because any contact at all is, is totally not allowed by the league. And so you can't have where, where the OTAs help. It helps your, your skill people. So your wide receivers, your running backs, tight ends, linebackers, defensive backs, offensive and defensive line, you know, let them go out to lunch if you want, because with them, it's timing and working on technique. They cannot go against each other. And Cornelius reminds us that uh, the Bears were fined uh, or penalized uh, last season for excessive contact uh, during the OTAs. So uh, Iberflus loves to see these guys hit during uh, camp. And uh, so who knows? We may see another incident or two where the NFL steps in. And says, well, we used to, you know, when, when Lovey was here, the last day of OTAs was always a party day. Mm-hmm. So they go bowling or or something as a group, but they never had a quote practice. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty. What do you think about people who want to erect a statue of Lovey Smith for winning that last game of the season with the Tysons and telling them, "Screw you! I'm going to help out my old team, the Bears." Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it really had anything to do with that more than himself. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> you know, so I, I don't think it had anything to do with the Bears. But uh, it, 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 as it turned out, I mean, I don't know. Well, Houston probably would have taken Young had they had the first pick. Um, but then they still made that, that trade to get up to three to get a quarterback and, but, you know, and uh, an edge pass rusher. But from my understanding is that it was the, you know, that came from ownership. We got to have a quarterback. And yeah. so that put him and, and Casario then was like, well, I got to, you know, I got to get my defensive head coach a strong pass rusher too. So he had to make some moves in order to do that. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Now in these OTAs, there are going to be a lot of eyes on those two young defensive tackles that the Bears acquired. Well, that's useless. (laughs) Why is that? Because they can't do anything. They're they're conditioning. They can't work against offensive linemen. I mean, yeah, when you get in the team period, they come off the ball and they touch each other. That's it. You can't even push the guy. You know, so – they're better off holding a, having the defensive guy holding a bag, you know, because those are worthless. You know, it doesn't get into really football for the, for the big guys, for the elephants, until we get to training camp at the end of July. So perhaps the, the biggest thing they can show coaches is how quickly they are learning the playbook. So that yes. Things aren't being repeated. And Michael asked a question, can the undrafted free agents show anything early in OTAs? Uh, The skill people can. OTAs are great for skill people now. Mm -hmm. You know, but for linemen, it's more mental than anything else. Now, yeah, you're you're working on technique, but you're working against a sled, a dummy, uh, a bag, or whatever. So... It's it's just not the same as, as real football when you get into into camp. 
Uh, yeah, you can work on different techniques and stuff. Uh, they do work on what they call fits in, in the defense. So, you know, because it's, it's a gap control defense. And so every gap has got to be controlled by a different player. So they always work on, on those things and you can do that without hitting people. And so going through the, the mental part of the game, they can learn. It's just that they're not taking part in the physical mm-hmm. aspect mm-hmm. of the game until we get to camp. That's okay. why I think, you know, it, it, it's, that's just the way it is with big people, you know, so they're, they're behind the rest of the guys because the rest of the guys, you can get something out of one-on-ones. You can get something out of seven-on-seven. There was a, a nice tape posted by uh, Swift Sports Network on Zach Pickens. And, uh, you know, this guy, uh, he he strikes me as the guy who could potentially plays some three-tech for this team. Your thoughts? He's a three. I mean, you, you look at his movement skills, his size, how fast he is, his athleticism. You know, I was watching his combine workout mm-hmm. uh, the other day, and he's really fluid, and he's got very good body control. Now, he's a better athlete than Dexter is, mm-hmm. but he's not as big as Dexter, six six and – 310 and now um, the other guy he he played at 300 last year but he was 290 at the combine you know right. Zach Pickens but it 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 uh, uh, to me he's a three but they are theoretically interchangeable mm-hmm. so I mean what against that you're one player away on the defensive line. Uh, You've got guys who are playing outside that can play inside on, on pass rush downs if, if needed. They still don't have that bona fide speed rusher. There's two maybes on the team, but you don't know the We won't know the answer to them. One is Dominique Robinson, who they drafted last year, who started off quickly and then, you know, hit the, the rookie wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's Gibson. And he fell off. You know, he had like seven or seven and a half sacks the year before, and you were expecting him to maybe get nine. Mm-hmm. And what, he had two? You know, I don't even know what the final number was. But he went downhill. And I know that, you know, there's people in the front office that were down on him. They're not ready to show him the door. But he's 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 – What's the word I want? He's on warning. Hmm. He's on probation. There you go. <laughs> Mike Double says secret. <laughs> Mike says that Ian Cunningham compared Pickens to Javon Hargrave. Do you think he has that kind of potential? Uh, he's taller than Hargrave. You watch Har- Hargrave's got a bucket that's about this wide. <laughs> um, hey, you know, I think he's more athletic. Does it more Hargrave? Hargrave's real explosive, uh-huh. and he's got and he's really quick off the ball. Mm-hmm. So I think um, you know, can he have that explosive? So he might. I mean, when you look at the numbers, his mm-hmm. numbers, both of those guys put up really good across the board. I mean, not, not just the their speed, 
Uh, but across the board, their numbers are pretty good. Their change of direction, their jumps, uh, they're all pretty darn good. So, you know, Hargrave was a later round pick, uh, but he proved himself. You know, and now these guys still got to prove themselves. Absolutely, everything looks good on paper. You got to now. You got to do it. Absolutely. Um, a couple of weeks ago, you sent me a um, a graphic of some of the weightlifting results from Andrew Billings when he was in high school. I want to say, yeah, he was a state, Texas State champion. Yeah, and you were telling me these numbers are off the chart. This oh, guy he is had, he was, his three power lifting lifts. So you got the uh, deadlift, the bench, and the squat. Mm -hmm. uh, in his last year in high school, he, the combined total was over two thousand pounds. Wow! He had a five hundred <laughs> bench. He had a five hundred bench, um, like a five hundred and something pound. Uh, deadlift, or might have been, and, and then like a 700-something pound squat. I mean, that's a strong dude. And then you go back and you look at his tape at Texas Tech. He's a bitch. It, it's like he – now, he did rush the passer in college. But you aren't – he's only one, but you aren't moving that guy off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a powerful dude. And, and I read an article, look it up, and an article, and they, you know, there's people that say he might be the second strongest guy ever to play in the National Football League, with the strongest being Larry Allen. That is something. Wow. Now, it was interesting. Uh, before he signed with the Bears, he is related to RKB of the Barfly Tailgate Show. And so he had him on as a guest. And one of the questions Jordan Silvera posed to Billings is, you know, a lot of people don't talk to about you as potentially playing the three tech, but what do you think? And this big smile at Andrew Billings. And he basically said, I would love to play the three tech and beat the crap out of that guard and, and, and help uh, the defenders do what they need to do. Um, so he, you know, he knows where the money is. <laughs> the three tech position pays more than that nose tackle position. So I just, just, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm sorry for interrupting. I, oh, I just go back. You go back and you look at this college shape. Mm -hmm. It's not good. It's outstanding. Mm -hmm. And then, but he's short. You know, he's just not quite six one. He's like six foot a half inch, six foot seven eighths. Um, he's got good arm length for mm -hmm. for a shorter guy, but he's just so strong and very explosive, and and quick off the ball. Um, I don't see. I, I don't know how you got that guy on a, on a one year deal. I really don't. Yeah, you know it, it's yeah he's short, but you aren't running on him, and you aren't blocking him. He's he, he's going to put his hands on you, and you aren't moving him. Mm. Um, CJ asks, do you do you foresee situations where on first down Billings and Dexter are out there in the middle of the defensive line? Yeah, you get to have that. I, I, look at these guys are going to play a rotation. We already know that. Mm -hmm. And is it going to be 50 50, 60 40? That remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. It's really up to the players who's playing the best. 
you know, if there's a big drop off when you put in your, your second group, then, you know, then it might be 60, 40. Uh, but the whole idea, and, and it's, this is happening across the league. You want to keep fresh bodies in there. So, you know, so you keep them in a series and then the next series, you put another, the next group in, you know, or whatever. And, and you try to keep the, the snap counts pretty close. Again, it's just, they just need another edge rusher. You got to get an edge rusher. And it's like, who is that going to be? And, and I don't know. And I tell you, there's one thing. And, and for some reason, it slipped me. I don't know if it's ever been brought up. But the, the Bears defensive line coach, Travis Smith, he's coached in Gotway. Did you know that? Oh, I did not. Well, I didn't either. He coached him at, he coached him at the Raiders two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. But now that <laughs> – you know, people say, oh, that, that's a given. That, that, that's the eye of the laughter. Well, maybe you didn't like them. <laughs> you know, who knows? Indeed, yeah. Uh, that, uh, that can play a role sometimes in uh, uh, player m- management decisions. Uh, let's get to the topic of Joey Lane. He has now left the Chicago Bears to become the salary <laughs> cap analyst for the- <laughs> For the Green Bay Packers, he spent 10 years with the Saints. Ryan Pace brought him to the Bears, where he uh, was with the Bears for the last eight seasons, uh, helping to negotiate contracts. Now, he wasn't really a negotiator of contracts, was he? He, he was he, more – No, just, he, he, he negotiated the contracts. Okay. Uh, and so now he's doing that with the Packers he, along with somebody that, else. When, he, when Pace came in, mm-hmm. he brought his own cap guy. So – Stein really got pushed aside, um, and he, you know, he was all, already the corporate counsel for the Bears, but he mm-hmm. became strictly the corporate counsel. And then, when Poles got hired, this is the first guy that was shown the door, and Cliff was brought back immediately. Yeah, Michael says, don't let the door hit you in the ass, Joey. I'm going to tell you what, you know, I had that, that nice conversation out at the East-West with, with uh, Ryan Poles, and, and Cliff's name got brought up, and, and the, the stuff he was talking about, I mean, he said, I would never have made it without the help of Cliff Stein. Hmm. He goes, wow. he just did so much for me. He goes... I look back at it, he goes, I probably, you know, it probably wasn't healthy. I was working so much. But, you know, that's what happens when you get a new job. You just, you know, you get a situation like that and you just, you work as many hours a day as you can because you got to try to turn things around. But he Mm -hmm. said the help Cliff has given him, it's just been invaluable. That is great to hear. And it's great to hear that uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, probably working with alongside people he wants to work with, build that department of administrators the way uh, the way that he wants. And- but to get on with Joey, I don't know the man, but I know a lot of agents, and I have yet to talk to an agent that likes him. Mm. You know, so I remember when when uh, Roquan was having his holdout, his mm-hmm. rookie year. And his agent is a friend of mine, a guy I know from Buffalo going way back, and I've known him for years. And he was motherfucking this guy to death. Wow. And he goes, if Stein was doing this, I would have had it done in 12 hours. And, you know, 
Interesting. Yeah, and, and there's other agents who said the same thing. He's just pompous, arrogant jerk. And the way he structures contracts leaves a lot to be desired because, you know, now obviously the GM's got to sign off on that stuff. Right. But, you know, it put the Bears in camp cap hell last year. Indeed. And he left the Saints in the same situation. Well, yeah, but he wasn't the head guy. In fairness to him, he was the assistant guy Okay, at the Saints. And so, but he, he was real close with Pace. They were good buddies. So, mm-hmm. he, um, so Pace brought him here, been out of the league for the last year. Now he might've still been under contract and getting paid. I don't know, you know, what his contract, right? Um, but Green Bay hired him. I, I clapped my hands when I heard that. I said, shit, best thing that ever happened to Green Bay. He can ruin their cap. <laughs> and it's bad. And it's, it's just, you know, he's just he's very difficult. Again, I don't know. I know what people tell me. Sure. He's very difficult to work with. Mm. Well, he he doesn't he as J two K says he looks like a guy that sells beachfront property. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one guy said, "I just want to punch him." <laughs> you know, you know. And he's got that look, you know. Yeah, that snarky, smirky yeah. look. Like I'm smarter than you, type. Oh, I hate people like that. <laughs> anyway, um, let us uh, field some questions here from our uh, followers. Let's see. Let's go with this one. Do you think Justin Fields will be a top 15 quarterback in the league this year? Do you have a quarterback comp for Fields? I hate using comps. I use them every once in a while, but I really don't like it. And I'll go mm-hmm. back to what member would – and I've, I've used this before. George Young told me – God, 40 years ago now. He goes, Greg, this isn't Hinduism. There's no such thing as reincarnation. So, you know, so it, you can't, you know, every player is their own individual self. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a unique athlete. No one I'm surprised at. I'm surprised that, like, you're in the draft that nobody compared Richardson to Fields, but Fields, played a lot more than Richardson did at Florida. You know, he had a lot more starting games, but athletically they're very, very similar. That guy Mm -hmm. had sent, you know, he had, um, Richardson ran what, 4-4-1 or something like that at the the combine, 4-4-2. And Justin Fields ran 4-4-4, and he only ran once at the Ohio State Pro Day. And, you know, Daniel Jeremiah was gushing about him, and I sent him a text while he was on the air. I go, hey, DJ, just remember Fields ran a 4-4-4 at Ohio State. And he, <laughs> he said that. He goes, you're right. I should have mentioned that. You know, so, um, but I, I, he's a rare athlete. Mm-hmm. The, the worst thing you could say about him is that his – you know, I wish he had a little quicker delivery, mm-hmm. but I thought it really improved from year year one to year two. Improved dramatically. I think it'll improve more this year, and then he's got mm-hmm. his, you know more time in the offense. He's more comfortable in the offense. And we saw it. the last half of the year. Take out the part when he was hurt. The last half of the year, the numbers were a lot better than the first half of the year. 
So you got to go off on yes, that. Indeed. But I, 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 when you look at the supporting cast, and we 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 know the line's going to be better. The top three wide receivers are pretty damn good. You got yeah. a good tight end, and then you got Tanyan. And the Bears haven't had anybody like Tanyan in like forever. You know yeah. that that really athletic move tight end. You know, he'll give you effort as a blocker, but he's not going to do a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy who ran coming out like four or five, eight, somewhere around in there. Uh, he's caught, there's been several seasons when he's had more than 50 catches. He's a good player. And he gives them a dimension they haven't had where, you know, Cole Komet is your why. Uh, but this guy can do, you know, create mismatches when you want to go two wides and, and two tight ends. So th- th- they've got the personnel now that you can mix and match things and, mm-hmm. and try to create mismatches, you know, against the defense. That's so exciting uh, to hear that and to see that too. Bruce Ali Walter Jordan asks, uh, do you think Fields will surpass 3,000 passing yards this year? And given what you just said, I'd be shocked. Shocked. In the, the only thing that, I mean, injury can hold that up and bad weather right. can hold that up. Otherwise, you know, it's not, I, I'm thinking more like, you know, 35 to 37. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, Trubisky got off to a real good start one year, and I thought there was a chance he might hit four. Mm-hmm. And then you get the, you know, he dropped off a little bit, and then you get it, you know, we're in Chicago. You're, you're going to have some bad weather games in the second half of the season, right. and that's going to affect some of your throwing stats. It's not like you're playing in a dome every week. Yeah, indeed. Um, next question we got here is Mr. Inglewood asks, when the Bears defense gives up a long scoring drive and then Justin turns around and breaks off one of those long touchdown runs, doesn't that wear down the defense at some point? Well, yeah, it's time of possession. You know, if it, in theory, you'd want the offense to take their time scoring. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to take the points off the board if you get a big play, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so, um, and, and that's another reason why you do those rotations so that they don't get worn down like they used to. So you got to have you got to have seven to eight good off or defensive linemen. Got to. It's imperative. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I've been meaning to ask you for some time every time we talk about the rotation. But isn't it really difficult now to make these substitutions with the way, you know, uh, offenses are, are running their schemes now? I mean, if you know uh, this team likes to keep their defensive linemen fresh, I'm going to run a fast-paced offense to keep those guys on the sideline and tire out that line. Yeah, but if you want – they change the rules a little bit. If you want to substitute, the, the, they – the official goes up to the line of scrimmage and stands by the ball. That's mm-hmm. your right to get people in there. Okay. All right. Um, good to know. Uh, the other thing regarding Justin Fields and his improvement this year, how confident are you? Uh, I, I shouldn't phrase it that way, but I will because I can't think of a better way. How confident are you that Ryan Poles is the right offensive coordinator for Justin Fields? Ryan Poles. Excuse me, uh, Luke Getz. Luke Getz. <laughs> um, 
I personally, just from what I've seen of him in the last year, mm-hmm. not almost year and a half, I'm impressed with him as a person. Yes, me too. You know, and and he, you know, I was watching some clips uh, of him down at the Senior Bowl where he was the head coach, and he does a good job. A lot of positive reinforcement. He's got a good scheme. Now, last year was his. It wasn't his first year as a play caller, but it was first year in the league as a play caller. He'd right. been a play caller in college, okay. um, and now he's got that year under his belt. And and probably a lot of fans don't understand this or don't realize. Now, understand it's not the right word. Realize it that during the off season, you go over every single damn play you ran during the year mm-hmm. and, and why it worked, why it didn't work. Was it the right play? Was it called at the right time? So that they're critiquing everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's a long task. And it's one of the first things they do as soon as the season's over. So that alone helps because you're, you're, you know, you're getting critique. You've got other people in the room that are helping you. Um, and you're seeing where you made mistakes. And we're seeing where a, di- a different call might have been better in that situation. And it's just like anybody else, you got to get experience and learn. Mm. Yeah, you know, and one of the things about Getsy that had me scratching my head is that I, 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 I felt like as the season went on, he became more and more conservative with the play calling. After, you know, Fields had that incredible stretch where he was running with the ball and picking up 100 yards per game and so forth, and defenses started to spy on him more that he started to rely on the run game. And, and there were situations like on third and six where he was running the ball and stuff. And, and it almost felt like, wow, it's, it feels like he's been told, keep it conservative. Did you get that sense at all last season? No, I don't, I don't know if I agree with you on that, but I think part of it has to do with the continuity of the players mm-hmm. and then, and the coaching staff feel feeling comfortable with who they have in there. Mm-hmm. And what they're able to do. Now, don't forget, like Mooney got hurt in Game Eleven. Claypool, they got at the trade deadline, and then he got hurt and he missed some time. I mean, you had times when when you were playing with all backups at the wide receiver position. You know, so that has something to do with it. Uh, and then, you know, the offensive line was different every week, mm-hmm. and so that that plays into it too. Hmm. Um, next question is from um, Michael Henneman. Greg, where's our defensive end coming from? My thoughts is it might be the waiver wire because we get first dibs there. Yeah, not really. Uh, not uh, going to be the waiver wire. Yeah, no, not, not, a quality defensive end is not going to be dropped, right? No, he's not going not going to be. Well, first of all, if he's a, he's a vested vet. He doesn't go on waivers. Okay. Okay. So if if you got four years of service. The minute you you get cut, you're a free agent. Mm-hmm. So it's only the young guys that pass through waivers. After the trade deadline, then everybody has to go through waivers, including the vested vets. So there's still guys out on the street. Um, and they're the same guys that are out on the street four weeks ago and six weeks ago and eight weeks ago. 
Mm-hmm. None of them. Nobody has signed at that position. My guess is that they're um, all looking for more money, and teams don't want to pay them. Right. Um, the only thing, you know, polls said on the radio a uh, week and a half, a week ago Friday, last Friday, that, you know, something's going to happen sooner rather and his quote was sooner rather than later mm-hmm. now he brought up trade as well as or sign somebody off the street but he specifically mentioned you know we got trades or free agent acquisitions we can get and uh but he he brought up the trade thing without being asked the trade thing so mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that there's somebody they're talking to. There could very well be. Uh, but when he said sooner rather than later, to me, that was, we're getting close on some things and we want to have, I thought they might, you know, like want to have it going until tomorrow mm-hmm. because OTA start tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be. Uh, because again, the, the, with the offensive and defensive linemen, it really doesn't matter. But they get to learn the terminology, right? And and what what they're getting asked to do. But you know, with the pass rusher, hey, there's the quarterback. Go get him. <laughs> <Exactly>. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're not asking you to do a lot. Just hit that some bit. You know, and, <laughs> I love it. Uh, next question uh, is from J2K. What do you think, by the way, of Kindle Vildor? Is he on the roster bubble? And he's asking the question, who do you see outside at cornerback? Could it be Vildor, Stevenson, or Smith? Uh, your thoughts on that corner position? I think uh, it's going to be Vildor or Stevenson. Might be Vildor at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Kyla Gordon is inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the backup – I'll tell you, it wouldn't surprise me, and I wrote this a couple weeks ago, that last one of the last year's free agent surprises was uh, Jalen Jones mm-hmm. from Ole Miss. And he actually he – pl- I didn't realize this. He, he played in every game and started four or five, and he actually oh. played pretty good. I think he might be your backup at the slot. Mm-hmm. And now, so then, now you're going to have, you're going to carry at least six, probably six corners. Um, you know, Smith and, and Stevenson are going to be there. Jalen Johnson's going to be there. And I think Vildor is probably going to be the other. Vildor actually, until he got hurt, was having his best season. He was. People yeah. want to throw him out there because we, we talked about it last year on here. Yes. You know, he was playing pretty damn good football. So, and, and he can play press coverage. Yes. And, and he's got some stoutness to him. There's some toughness to him, too. Uh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to, to walk away from him. Mm-hmm. You know, I, let, let, if, hey, if somebody comes in, you know, one of the guys that are here beat him out, fine. That means you're a better football team, right? Right. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, I, I'm still holding out hope for Kendall Vildor. He has had uh, some plays where he's just looked ridiculously bad, and I think that has – Well, one last year. Yeah, true. 
but I, I think, you know, a lot of us fans sometimes carry that, you know, they see a bad play and they immediately label a guy, oh, this guy's a bust. And it takes a while for us to be convinced otherwise. You remember what I, I, I've said this a lot. Fans want instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like, like Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. Well, Chase Claypool, he was supposed to come in here and catch 50 passes the last half of the season. Why didn't he? He's a bust. we got to get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. It's not the way it works. It's not the way it works at all. Um, all right. Uh, what about Roshan Johnson, the rookie running back? Have you, uh, during our time apart, have you looked at any more tape or heard any more things about him? T3, He's a good player. He's a good yeah. player. Yeah. And, you know, he plays a lot faster than that time was. Now, whether yes. he just – and when you look at the, you know, all his numbers, numbers across the board are pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. But he play, he plays like – Four five zero four four eight. I mean, he's not a burner burn, but he's he's got a real quick burst. But he doesn't have a weakness mm-hmm. in his game. He's a strong runner inside. He's got the burst to turn the corner outside. Catches the ball very well. There's one catch I saw one handed that he had to turn around and still just grabbed it like a you know like he had a catcher's net on. Um, and he's a pretty good blocker. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I think you've got with running backs, you, you, you don't want to have all the same thing. Mm-hmm. With your top three, you've got guys that all comp, they all got different strong points. Now, everybody likes Khalil Hobart because he's a, you know, he can get the big play. He's the breakaway guy. But there's two things he doesn't do he doesn't block for his shit, and he doesn't catch the ball very well. You know, so he's got to – now, are those things he can improve on? Absolutely. You know, work mm-hmm. on the jugs machine to improve your hands and, and just – and blocking to me is want to. Mm-hmm. I want to be a good blocker or I don't want to be a good blocker because if you want to be, you will be. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you got to have the strength, but it, it, it's more want to than anything else. But then, you know, the name – and I can't think of his name now – the guy they, they signed from Seattle is uh, a free Homer, agent. Travis Homer. Yeah. yeah, Travis Homer. That's a guy Paul specifically went after. Mm-hmm. He can run. Mm-hmm. He's a very good special teams player, but he catches the ball really, really well, and he's a pretty good blocker. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. They got four pretty good guys there, and then you got most teams only keep four running backs total. But, you know, blasting game is going to have a job, you know, because he's a fullback because they're going to use a fullback sometimes. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Tristan Ebner, have you – I don't want to say given up on him, but the, it, it, uh, his play last season didn't – uh, he didn't catch the passes out of the backfield that I had hope I was hoping to see. Are you concerned well, about he didn't him? Get, he didn't get a lot of chances in fairness. True. But he didn't have any consistency when he did play. Mm-hmm. And so you're always looking to get better. He's in a second year. You should have a second year bump. Uh, I think the competition at that position is going to be really strong. 
mm-hmm. you know, during camp. That's going to be one of the real interesting storylines going into camp. You know, everybody is is probably saying it's going to be uh, Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, and uh, Roshan Johnson are going to be the re- the running backs, and that's it. But you know what? You got some other guys there that are going to say, "Wait a minute." <laughs> I'm here. Don't forget about me. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch and, and yeah. prob- probably the best depth we've had at that running back position in some time. Um, a few more questions and we'll get you out of here. Michael Halitak, my old buddy, uh, says, what is your opinion on Doug Kramer, the second-year offensive lineman out of Illinois? Uh, do you think he's competing for a center position or a backup role? I, you know, in fairness, I don't know what he is. He got hurt in preseason. He got hurt yeah. in the third pre, or second third, or third preseason game. I think he got hurt in the second preseason game. Mm-hmm. And there's only three. So uh, did he play good in the first game and before he got hurt? Yeah. But who's seen enough of him to know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. He, he uh, will, I'm sure they're going to give him a really good look and, and I'm just hopeful that he's going to make this offensive line better with the depth that he could potentially bring. Well, they're only getting the one problem he has mm-hmm. is to the best of my knowledge, he's a center only. And Cody Whitehair can play guard and center. Patrick can play guard and center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Borum can play tackle and guard. Leatherwood is, as of right now, strictly. No, he did play. Didn't he play a little guard last year too? Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay, but he's got position versatility, and if you can't play more than one position, it hurts you, and especially at that center position. Mm-hmm. You know, you only most. It used to be teams kept eight. Now more teams are key or. Yeah, now more teams are keeping nine offensive linemen, but they dress seven mm-hmm. on Sundays. And so that means your two backups, they might not necessarily be number six and seven on your depth chart, but they've got the flexibility or the versatility. One's got to be able to play center and guard. The other guy's got to play guard and tackle. Yeah. And, and so – it's their versatility that sometimes counts more uh, with the coaching staff as far as dressing on Sunday than the actual talent. Hmm. Okay. Um, are you surprised that DeAndre Houston Carson has not signed with the team yet? And you, you think there's a chance he'll be back with the bears? I think there's a chance. And yeah, I am surprised because he played pretty good, but he's also 30 years old. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah. Um, I you know, who knows what – we had a rookie last year. You got a rookie this year. They're both late-round picks. Who knows what those guys are? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what Houston Carson is, and yep. he's a good player. Uh, it would not surprise me if he's back here. I, I'm really, in all honesty, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been signed by somebody. Yeah, indeed. Same here. Okay, uh, I think this will be the last question. J2K asks, how much does Brian Flores improve that Vikings depleted defense? Are you a Brian Flores fan? Um, as a head coach, no. 
because of things I was told um, that I'm not going to repeat. But the he's a very good defensive coach. But is he going to improve? I you know who the hell knows. Mm -hmm. You know they uh, they've got rid of a bunch of guys on defense and brought in some new guys. Now we got to see how they all play. Right. I think that the, the inside, the interior of their defensive line is going to be totally different. Mm-hmm. What type of a coach is he? I mean, he, he's he's a bring-the-pressure kind of defensive coach, isn't well, he? Well, he, he, his main experience is under Belichick. Mm-hmm. So, really, that's doing multiple fronts. Uh, and then, you know, g- going from there. I mean, Belichick was always a 3-4 guy, but then he, as he got different personnel, he, he's changed. He's played 4-3 and 3-4. And now, it, it really, what it gets down to is that's your base. That's your first down, 3-4 or 4-3, four, because everybody's playing nickel. And when you're playing nickel, you're really playing for, you know, two defensive tackles, two defensive ends, two mm-hmm. linebackers and five DBs. You know, everybody's really doing the same thing. It's just how, you know, what, how your coverage schemes are different, how your pass rush is different, et cetera. But a lot of teams are, you know, lining up pretty much the same way mm-hmm. once they get in the, into uh, nickel or the sub package. Wow, what a great show. It's been so much fun getting back in the chair here and talking football with you, sir. You and I are going to chat uh, right after uh, we say our formal goodbyes. Uh, anything you want to say your, to your fans before we sign off? Let's fall asleep and wake up, and it's the end of July, and we can start camp. Oh, yeah. I love that thinking. <laughs> That's right. I'll tell you, though, know what's funny? You know how long it was waiting for the draft? Yes. It's been a freaking month now, and it went by just like that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I know. But I am with you. I, I feel the same way. I wish I could fall asleep and just wake up, and all of a sudden I'm at Hallis Hall watching uh, training camp and uh, doing more shows with you. So um, I think that's it. I think we'll pull the plug on this. Let's see if there's a, another comment or two. Uh, Joe is saying, thanks, Greg. Always appreciate your honest opinions. It's getting hard to find people like yourself. That's oh, for you, you, Greg. I Gabriel. appreciate that. Yeah. And then uh, we have John uh, Giglio. I was going to say Gigolo, but it's, I think it's Gigolo. He, <laughs> found, he found the Winston Churchill quote, if you are not a liberal when you are young, you have no heart. And if you are not a conservative when you – when old, you have no, no brain. brain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. We're going to get out of here. Thank you all for people who joined us live and all the good wishes. We will, uh, I think we'll be here in a week or so. Uh, Greg and I are going to talk about that, and then we'll let you all know uh, very, very soon what our plans are coming up. So uh, for Greg Gabriel, I'm Aldo Gandia. Take care, everybody. See you later. 